1: All right, boys and girls, welcome once again to the Bass, Kayak, and Beers podcast on the Pedal and Fin Network. Not cracking my beer open yet because I have a special guest, and one of the stipulations he comes on the show is we gotta crack the beer open together. So, speaking about that, my next special guest, Paul Roberts. You might follow him on Instagram under Paul Heels. He is part of the Bass and Brews podcast along with Alex. Super excited to have him on the podcast fun guy fun to talk to and we're going to be diving into you know why he loves kayak fishing why does he do this um thing that we do on a little plastic boat following fish like my wife says and how he got into the whole podcasting and by the way go follow bass and bruce listen to their podcast it is hilarious it is funny it is entertaining and every now and then it's actually informative but go check it out bass and bruce you can i'm sure you'll be able to find it on pretty much any podcast platform if not paul will correct me when i bring him on other than that um having a great uh well having a great week but a tough week fishing um haven't been able to put up a solid pattern this transition to cooler weather is not it's not working for me right now but hey we're grinding it out and hopefully things are gonna be uh working out soon hopefully i'll be able to take part in the tkc uh um championship uh later in october and have a few trips planning out um later and on on fall after that tournament so maybe i'll get to do a little bit more fishing so we'll see what happens but anyways let's bring in my next special guest but before that remember follow um or go check out my sponsor douglas rock go to DouglasOutdoors.com to check out the full lineup x matrix rods lrs rods and they're great fly fishing rods amazing rods award-winning rods and we're gonna to go to a quick commercial and then we got paul roberts from bass and bruce joining us stick around you're gonna like this
2: this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Takovis is your stop for the best in western style Takovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more
0: paul my man
1: how's it going
3: man i'm wonderfully wonderful how you doing armando
1: pretty good i just so noticed you changed your name the cat tea expert <laughs> what is that all about
3: oh man well so i know people are listening they can't see uh i'm a cat tea connoisseur and so i have a lot of cat teas. and if anybody can't uh understand my enunciation i'm wearing kitty cat t-shirts like T-shirts uh, with kitty cats on them and so this one right here now is a kitty cat uh on a on a rocket
1: that's pretty cool <laughs> um i if you if you ever gone to austin texas those things will sell out in austin texas man uh, i don't know well, what I, it is every store that i go has cat tees everywhere
3: well i spent so I, I i didn't get to austin which is which sucks i spent two weeks just outside of Austin in the airport, cause I was a wildland firefighter at the time. And I spent two weeks getting training in Bastrop. So I drove from the airport in Austin to Bastrop for two weeks every day. And I never got into Austin because I had training. But if you're ever in that area between Bastrop and Austin, there's Benny's Texas barbecue. And yep. I'm pretty sure it's still there. It is a little hole-in-the-wall shack. I think it's, it's Cedar Hills, maybe. It's almost in between that. Go eat his damn barbecue because it is something unbelievably good. And I'm from the Carolinas, so I know good barbecue. But his stuff was good. I ate it every day he was open and took it home for dinner.
1: Yeah, Austin is Texas' capital. Not just the little capital, but also when it comes to barbecue. It's kind of yeah. like their thing over there and food yeah, truck yeah. thing. Texas is weird. It's kind of like California. <laughs> it's not really Texas. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't want to get that whole political thing started, but it really is. It's, I mean, it's like, this is the most ironic thing is the Texas capital. It doesn't feel like Texas yeah. at all. At well, all. A,
3: a good but, friend of mine is from... Um, is from southern texas. Yeah. And so he calls himself Texican. He and he's been here in the Carolinas here for shit 15 20 years about now. Anyway, his his funny part about being from Texas is the only vegetables he eats is salsa. Literally. <laughs> Literally. His vegetable, the only vegetables he has ever eaten is his salsa. He don't eat salad. He don't eat baked potatoes. It's nothing. His only vegetable intake is salsa, and then the rest is meat. And he says, That's how you know we text him.
1: Yep. Uh, well, I have a, I have, a, how do you call that? Forgot what it is, but I have a saying that is if there's not a dead animal on the plate, it's not really a meal.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm sorry for all those vegans that may listen to my podcast. It's
2: just,
1: it there's not a dead animal, it's not a meal. I, I, hey, no, I, yeah, I,
3: I get it. I get it. And and we'll get into this a little bit later because we got to crack our, our beverages. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: But well, yeah, well, let's go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, no, no. We,
3: we, we'll talk about eating some meat later. But, yeah, we, let's crack our beverages so we can get into the good stuff of the podcast.
1: Who wanna, Who wants to go first? You want to go first?
3: I'll go first because mine ain't really exciting. But I will tell everybody here, if you listen to as many podcasts as I do, Armando, I don't know what the hell he does, but he has the best opening of any podcast where there's a beer crack. I mean, I'm not sure what he does because he cracks that beer. And, it like, I'm driving down the road 99% of the time when I'm listening to this podcast. It makes me want to pull over and grab a beer and shotgun it. I mean, <laughs> it's that good. So I wanted to be a part of the greatest beer opening pop
1: there we go. I'll take that title.
3: <laughs> but I am drinking a Bud Light Platinum Seltzer. It's 8% because, funny story is, I had a gout attack last Thursday. I can barely walk because my big right toe is all, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast, but it's all effed up. So <laughs> I'm drinking some extra seltzer waters tonight because I got the gout because I guess I'm getting old.
0: Uh,
1: Brian Schiller, who runs the Paddle Infant, probably appreciates our, us uh, doing keeping ourselves self-edited just so you <laughs> won't have to edit that much. Because we do have to post on Waypoint TV, and there's some rules that we have to go by. Not that I mind at all, but well, uh, yeah. But we'll try. On- we'll try. That we'll, we'll give him a little bit of work. It's okay.
3: Well, you've heard our podcast, so you might realize that every now and again, I'm going to have a cuss word slip. Properly. It's
1: all right. It's all right. <laughs> It's all in good context. Yeah. All right. So let's see. That that might be the problem why it's not sounding the way it is because it's a <laughs> butt light seltzer. Don't mean to. Don't mean to. You know, mad dog your beer right there. But that just might be the problem why it's not sounding as crisp as it should. But we'll go ahead. Fair. Not hating on it, though. Go ahead. That's not bad at all. That's, you got that little and that pop at the end—that's
3: yeah. nice. That's yeah. nice, Chris. Yours, yours is all one fluid motion. It's just like pow. Okay,
1: let yours makes
3: here. me want to go get a beer.
1: Well, you got well, you got sort of a beer. Okay, here we go.
3: <laughs> See, I'm telling you, dude. Listen to it. You don't listen to your podcast. Listen to the difference.
1: You, you have to shorten that little between the pop and you know. You have to be a little bit more quicker about.
3: Well, I I got popping I got, it open i got small, short hands, so it's, it's hard to, to get up under them.
1: <laughs> it's all in the hand, I bet. Well, I'm actually, now that, since you're giving a shout, I'm not sponsored by them. Deep Ellum IPA. I'm not a real fan of IPAs. They have two IPAs that I like. The Deep Ellum IPA, and they also have Deep Ellum Brewery. They also have the Easy Peasy IPA, which is more... You know, I'll turn over my mind card on this, but um, I drank a lot of beer while I was in high school and college. I lived in Puerto Rico, so the legal drinking age is 18, and of course, we start earlier than that. So, I don't know what happened somewhere in my mid-30s. I could no longer handle the hops of a true IPA, so I've kind of, like, moved into more of, like, lager. I'm not going to do the light beer unless I'm trying to lose weight, though, but more of a lager um and uh, what's we'll the other stout beers? So IPAs, I've kind of like, I know it's not, it, it hurt me. It hurt me when I realized, you know, I can't do the IPAs as much as I I used to be able to. I get, I don't know. Well, I guess I overdid it in co- high school and college.
3: Armando, I'll tell you this. I love beer. I love good beer. I love crappy beer. But when the gout hits you, you just not start drinking seltzers. I can almost guarantee you. If you get the gout, but man, you got to start earlier than most of us around here. So that's why, because I mean, like you said, your age before, but damn, man, you age good. You don't, you don't look old as you say you are.
1: I'm, I'm almost in my 40s, man. I don't know. I guess it's all the beer. I'll credit the beer. Yeah. <laughs> and good the rum. hops on the beer good rum,
3: right? And good rum.
1: Yeah, that too that too it's no rum like puerto rican rum i'll tell you that much that's right but yeah i I, and i guess we haven't really got into that subject but my dad used to my dad is a man's man you know he he gets home he opens a beer and he's that he eats while drinking a beer i cannot you know every now and then i'll have a burger and fries and a beer for the most part i cannot just sit down from monday to friday have dinner and eat a beer. I'm not... My dad is... That's how my dad was. Uh-huh. You know, he was like, sit down, have dinner, not with a glass of water, beer. That's it. That's... and But he battled gout. He still battled gout every now and then. But yeah, it's what, it's what horrible kind of for him. It? Oh, man. He's just old man beer. Something like...
3: Budweiser or something like that. No, it was...
1: Yeah, it was like... Uh, they, we went through some hard times uh, financially. At one point I remember opening the fridge and I saw something like Schlitz beer. And I'm like, good Lord, this is, I'm like, Dad, is this really that bad? (laughs) Are we really this bad? Am I gonna send me out for adoption? We're buying Schlitz now? What the heck? I was like, I guess he got tired of me drinking his beer. And he says like, the only way he's gonna stop me from drinking his beer is buying like the worst beer ever. Look, Schlitz beer, man. God, that was horrible, man. I remember those times. That was that was bad. See, it was just you bad say beer.
3: say that, dude, but Slits beer ain't bad. Like, if you want to have a good beer to drink, look, look. Here's my thing. What I tell people: I don't discriminate against ABVs. So if it's got alcohol in it, I'm a drink it. There ain't nothing I won't drink.
1: You're a man's man, Paul. You're a man's man. <laughs> Except for the beer and this, except for the the seltzer and the tea cats, you're you're a man's man, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk for kayak a fishing. a
3: cat tea, That's all I got to say.
1: Let's talk about kayak fishing before we keep going downhill on this. Um, God knows how many listeners I've lost so far. But how do you got into kayak fishing, man? What what got you into it? And you know, man, and so all that. Dude,
3: it's it's an interesting story. So I grew up down in South Carolina. I grew up fishing. Um, The same story as probably 90% of the the folks have told on your podcast, anywhere else. Grandpa took me fishing. Uh, One of the the interesting facts about where he took me fishing was it's called the hog pond. And it wasn't a hog pond because there was big fish in it, even though there were big fish. But it's because three-quarters of the pond kept the hogs from escaping the hog pen so pigs so you'd be fishing and you'd be throwing you know throwing your lure up against the bank and all of a sudden the, you, you scare a pig up out the water but anyway so he took me there uh, i guess i was four years old i caught a fish i don't know how big it was probably a pound um i, I made them take it home and we cooked it and ate it it was like seven o'clock in the morning and anyway, from there, that's all I wanted to do is fish. And and that I got into fishing. My my mom and daddy bought me a we, we I grew up with a little John Boat with my daddy with and we went to ponds and then so I got into high school, I got a little John boat of my own. And in two thousand I graduated high school and I went to college and I played football. Well that ended like anything because when I got to college with football, it was three sixty five. And that's what, that's what I was there to do. And that's what I wanted to do. So in the summer times, you know, I worked out, took summer school classes, played football. So from 2000 and then 2005, I joined a local uh, bass club and I fished as a non-boater. And it it wasn't BFL or anything like that. It was just a bass club where I fished as a non-boater. I was one of like two. And I did that for a couple years and then I moved. I moved back down to South Carolina. And at that point in time, this was 2008, uh, started a new job, new career, fishing quit. So fishing quit in 2008. And I've got thousands of dollars in rod and reels at this time, you know, I'm Shimano and good rods, bunch of lures and <clears throat> that's it. And I bought uh, in 2015, we moved a quarter mile from the Savannah River in the Augusta, Georgia area. And where we are there. we bought, I bought a, a, we bought two kayaks. One of them was the Sun Dolphin, the cheap ass little Sun Dolphin sit on top, no. $250. But the other one we bought was a Avalon 120. And this was a fishing kayak, 2015, so a, a while ago for fishing kayaks. It was a fishing kayak has a had yak attack rails and it had two rod holders. Mm-hmm. So I bought this kayak to fish in on the river and it was a paddle kayak, but it was a Walmart kayak. But look, man, this kayak was nice as hell. It's 70 pounds. It tracks straight in zero arrow. I mean, when you talk about, you listen to Drew Gregory and talking about where he likes to launch. Mm-hmm. And because you got a Hobie, I got a, I'm 100% fish out of the EPA now, but this kayak is one that I can throw in the back of the truck and take three rods and a handful of baits and just throw. So it was a, it's a great kayak. We're on the Savannah River, but it was just fun. Like, I took ultralights out there and fished with ultralights. Um, we had a little pond behind our, fil- behind our house, ultralights. I got into watching kayak fishing at this point, 2015. So kayak, uh, kayak catfish, some local guys, Chad Hoover was one that I found at that time. Um, <clears throat> so I started looking, Oh, this is cool. And then just didn't work out. So I was fast forward last year, November of last year, I'm like, I'm going to start bass fishing again because I'd ran into a guy. And, and so now I'm in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And so Raleigh, North Carolina is, is Falls, Jordan, and Sharon Harris. So if you've watched MLF, you've seen those three lakes here this past yeah. year and then two years ago, right? So I, I, I go out there. I'm just, I'm, I'm just using it as exercise. Go out and paddle my kayak and ultralight fish. I saw a guy there with a Hobie PA-12. His name's Steve. And I'm like, holy shit. Look at your kayak, dude. (laughs) Holy crap. It's on on the water innovations trailer and this and that. I'm like, God dang, he's got like a 12-inch screen on it. And this would have been November of of 2020. So I come back home. I tell him, I'm going to start bass fishing again. Because there's a kayak league around here. And I can kayak fish in a league. Because I had started, around that time, I started looking at joining... Another bass club around here is a Mm non-boater. So anyway, we get into it, start fishing in November of 2020. And February, we get into it. I buy a Hobie PA-14, use 2018. Love it. All this and that. So that's really November of last year is really when I got into the kayak fishing. And at that point in time, I mean, 2008 had been the last time that I had really fished. So, I had, you know, a lot had come up since then. Uh, rods had become a lot lighter. The A-Rig wasn't around when I fished. Like, there was a lot of shit above yeah. and I'm like, holy crap. But I got into kayak fishing from that, and the, the sole reason that I wanted to get into kayak fishing at that point was because I could compete. Like, before growing up, I knew guys that fished in, in the old days, like, it was called the Redman series. And those were your local series where guys fish to try to get on bass. And so, that's, like, that was what I wanted to do. And uh, I just wanted to compete. But I saw the kayak angling side as an opportunity for me to compete, but also to be in control of my own destiny. If you've ever fished out the back of a bass boat in a competition, it ain't easy. (laughs) Like, your your destiny, you you don't control as much of your destiny as you can when I get to be in that kayak. So, yeah, I mean, I literally, my first tournament was February of this year in a kayak here in North Carolina on a local level. And um, every time I take it out, like, I go out with a mindset of I'm competing (laughs) like I'm either in a tournament or I'm learning you know I'm practicing for a tournament
1: awesome man Uh, it's it's like you said you man you you start off with your grandparents your parents a family member it's different I guess for everyone um when you're a kid and then you know once you pass puberty you know, start focusing your attention on girls. At least your generation, my generation. You know, they like cool stuff. You know, they like for you, it was maybe football. For me, growing up in Puerto Rico, was surfing. So our yeah. attention now goes to, you know, uh, impressing the girls and stuff like that. Which they're not into fishing, at least not in our generation. And then as you come of age, you kind of come back to it because it's just, yeah, I don't know what it is about it. Uh, some of it is just. Uh, in your DNA, you know, remembering those, those days, you know, when you spend out with your, you know, with with your father figure, you know, in this case, my father, in your case, your grandfather, um, and having a good time, you know, just kind of like when life was simple. And when you go fishing, that's it, life just kind of slows down and it becomes simpler. You know, fishing is hard, and it's kind of complicated now. But just being on the water, you know, it's just that, I guess, to me that Going back to times where simpler times, and that's what makes it to me relaxing. And you know, my wife's tell me, "How can you spend so much time on a sitting on a plastic boat on the water, not doing anything?" Says well, because every now and then I'm catching something. But yes, there are, you know, you and I know this. It'll, it'll be there'll be a few hours in between one fish and another for the most part. Um, but it's just relaxing. It's just having fun. You know, just being out there when life. You know, remember in times when life was just simpler.
3: Yeah, it it is. And you hear that. The story that I told is not, there's nothing special about my story. Matter of fact, it's probably, if if the folks listening to this podcast have heard the stories that folks you've had on here, and that's, that's typically how it sounds. I started fishing as a kid, high school, girls, college, whatever happened. I quit fishing, and I come back to fishing now, and and you're you're having these folks on your uh, as guests who are, or, I mean, they're they're successful tournament anglers, mm-hmm. <clears throat> locally or nationally. It doesn't matter, but that story's not is not special. But what's special about that is is taking the lessons that we learned and understanding from that time when we were young, and, and your story is a great one too, is we take those experiences and we're able to now as you know, middle-aged folks or almost middle-aged folks, we're able to take those experiences and now start to start to relive them. And not only relive them, but if we have if we have children at this point, we're also sharing those experiences with with kids at that time, and they could be your kids, they could be your nieces and nephews, whoever it is. So it's taking those experiences that we had as a, as a, as younger, and now we're putting them back out there, and, and we're getting to enjoy that. I mean, that's that's the joy of life. I mean, um, I'm not a pleasure angle. Like I just don't like to go out there and fish to fish. Like mm. I'm always in my mind. Either I'm fishing a tournament, and if I'm not fishing a tournament, in my mind, I'm I'm practicing. Yeah, I'm trying a new lure. Um, I'm graphing. You know, I'm always the. And, and to me, and this is what set this is the difference in the pleasure fishing. Yeah, you know, being a past like I I want to kayak fish because I can compete because that's an avenue that I was able to get in financially with the equipment, which is the kayak. And I mean, you could go out there with a Zebco with three Zebco. You can go out there with one Zebco 33. And if you can afford a kayak, you can compete with on the Hobie BOS, the KFB, KBF, you can do that. So the entry point to compete, was so much less because all I needed was a kayak, mm-hmm. and so that competition side is what really got me excited, and that's why I fish. I mean, that's why I go out there is is either I'm competing or I'm practicing to compete, and so that's I think that's a difference the way it that is got it fishing is I don't you know I, I say I don't like to joy fish, but like I, I I'm either. Very Once or twice a year, I go fish to eat, catch fish yep. to eat. But 99.9% of the time, I'm going out there either I'm competing in a tournament online that day or I'm practicing for something in the future. That's, that's the mindset that I have. I'm a competitive-ass person, and that's what I want to do. I need that competition in my life, and the kayak angling side gave me that entry level to do that.
1: No, and it's you you hit the the nail on the head with that one, because I like the friends that I've got me into kayak fishing, they do it more for like joy fishing, pleasure fishing, you know, it's a way to kind of get out of the house and, you know, be in the water, be with nature. There's nothing absolutely wrong with that, you know, and uh, a lot of them fish for like um, hybrids or um, sand bass, what we call them, sand bass, here, wipers or or white bass, Um, and that's catch and cook. Go ahead. What were you going to say?
3: I've heard you talk about sandbass, and Mark Pendergraft talked about sandbass. What the hell is a sandbass? It's it's white bass.
1: So I don't know.
3: Is it? Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. See, the, the vernacular is different, because when people are talking about sandbass, I'm like, what the, what the F is a sandbass? <laughs> and so you're talking about white bass. So here we have white perch, which some people call white bass. Yeah. But a white bass is a sh- non-hybrid striper, and then we have striper. It's just so confusing.
1: So it, 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 has- it, it, it is. It's it's kind of confusing. And we also have in Texas, um, Trinidad River is full of yellow bass, which don't even get me started on that because that's yeah. completely yeah. different. I don't know why.
3: But y'all have
1: also, y- also the Guadalupe bass. Guadalupe bass is just. A hybrid spotted bass. That's all it is. Um, I mean it's a beautiful fish. I love when I catch a Guadalupe bass, but and it's not native to Guadalupe, like some people think, it's like, oh, it's only native to Guadalupe River. No, it's actually it, it's in a lot of our uh, river territories here. Um uh, they caught it in the Brazos River. I think the they caught one registered under on um Granberry uh dam.
2: Um
1: I caught one. The jewelry is still out there, whether it's a spotted bass or a Guadalupe or bass. I posted oh, it on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, most people commented it's a Guadalupe bass and they kind of explained it. I don't know. I can't really tell that much of a difference. <laughs> but yeah, there's also the yellow bass and the white bass and the wipers and the stripers. Oh, yeah. So, yellow bass, for whatever reason, you can catch as many of them and keep it and cook. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, yellow bass is not restricted. White bass, I think you can count, or sand bass, you can um, catch 25 per person, and that's it. And then you got the, I think, stripers, it's five. And then uh, hybrids, I think it's 25. I'm not sure. Which hybrids, to me, it's a cr- I'm not, don't quote me on this, but I think it's a cross between the sand bass and the striper, but I'm not completely sure. Honestly, I don't know. There's so many. So, so on names.
3: that, so on that, so I'm part of a, a group called Hookset Hoodlums. If anybody's oh, yeah. heard of them, you follow. And, and look, it's it's some damn hoodlums. Like I know a lot of people follow this podcast. that are on KBN too. It's like the rejects of KBN. So we some it's some crazy. <laughs> <episodes. But> anyway, <laughs>
1: how can they be? How can you be rejected from KBN?
3: <laughs> well, we We're rejected. I'm just saying. <laughs> just an example of who we are, but regardless... What
1: kind of people do you have here <laughs> now? I'm just joking.
3: Jake Armando, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, now it's just a, a great group of guys. You know, they we promote each other. It's really cool to be a part of it. But yeah. what I'm getting at is this, and we kind of talked about this in the pre-show. Do you eat largemouth bass?
1: I don't. I don't judge people that do. I don't, I don't have... I don't... I... Do you eat fish? I, I eat fish. Now, I don't know why. I just love bass. Like, every time I catch a bass, it's like, you know, rescuing a little puppy from, from, <laughs> from, from a shelter. That's the way I look at it. I love bass, man. I just love it. I just, I can't. I mean, I don't hate people for eating bass. If they want to eat it, that's fine. It's not, you know, but I've kind of like talked myself into that. Because when I see somebody posting uh, on uh, social media about eating bass, I was just like, God, no, please don't. Don't do it. Um, but, you know, the that, reality that was of little
2: this. Jimmy, That was little Jimmy. <laughs> no,
1: no the, the reality is I hate it, but I'm not going to judge anybody, you know, it's. Just because I love them doesn't mean it's still not a fish, and it's you know it's supposed to eat. Um, I don't think they're that tasty. I've tasted them. I don't think they're that t- tasty. I'd rather eat a crappie or a sand bass than a largemouth bass. Um, I can't see anybody. Eat. I don't even know if people eat smallmouth bass, but I think that's really. I would really have a hard time if I see somebody eating a smallmouth bass, especially in Texas, because that they're very rare. I mean, I wouldn't say they're very rare, but but yeah.
3: I mean. They, they they're not common like if you yeah. just go out to your so so look i grew up in a little podunk ass town in south carolina it has 700 people in it and only about 200 actually lived in the one square mile town limit <laughs> like we claim 500 other people in the town they didn't live in it but we fished the fish we had were were small lakes and ponds and the only fish in there were brim Bass and j- what we call jackfish, pike, yeah. pickerel—what I don't know, whatever the them Yankees call them—but we call them <laughs> jackfish. <laughs> but and in, in catfish—I mean in the bigger bodies of water. So you know, I grew up eating. I, I grew up eating a lot of fish over time. Large mouth bass are delicious. People wouldn't know if you put a large mouth bass in a crappy and, and you you fried it. I guarantee nah. you, 99% of people wouldn't know. But here's the other thing, too. Crappy
1: nah, Crappy's wish... a lot sweeter, though. Uh, but I plus, crappy, I... you don't get that blood on the meat. I don't know when you cut the crappy, It just comes straight, transduce yeah. white, Look, which really takes out that fishy taste. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, go
3: ahead. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this when it comes to, to eating fish, If you're eating fish and it's filleted, 99% of people ain't going to know. And I'll tell you this because I've done it because I've done it with some guys from Michigan and Colorado, and they had no idea the difference between a brim, a crappie, and a bass when I played it. But here's the other thing. You give people Coke and Pepsi, and and I did this as a science experiment as a sixth grader, and the people that didn't know the difference between Coke and Pepsi, and I had people that were Coke drinkers and Pepsi drinkers and they still messed it up 99 percent of the people in that test subject had no idea so when it comes down to eating fish nobody knows but i'll tell you this i grew up in fishing ponds that were bass heavy and so you'd go out there and you'd catch a brim a bluegill or a sunfish and you couldn't put your damn hand around it but you'd only catch one or two but then you catch 50 bass that are less than 10 inches so from an ecological standpoint there, it's bass heavy, there's nothing hmm. taking those bass out. So that's what we ate. We ate those small bass. Now, I ain't advocating eating no damn, you know, six-pound bass and this and that. Yeah. But, but in general, what I say is bass ain't as bad as people uh, take it. I think they, they, no,
1: they don't taste they, bad. bad. They don't taste bad
3: at yeah. all. But anyway, I, a little bit of a tangent to get off on there on eating, on, on eating the bass. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just different where you grow up and what you do. Like, I love to fish. I don't, you I've gone to ponds and I've caught four and five pounders and put them back and people on fishing are like, whoa, whoa, we putting them back? I'm like, hell yeah, we'll keep the small fish. We don't keep the yeah. big fish. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's that's the whole thing about what I like about anglers. What I really like about the, the kayak world too is, is I feel like there's a much more prevalent and people are much more in, in, in tune with. With with the fishery, right? Mm. With, with keeping stuff. uh With with um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like um, shit, I can't. I'm having a brain fart. Anyway, kayak anglers are much more in tune with keeping the fishery good, like yeah. with putting the fish back and in the catch photo release. Like you, uh, you know, I I have. That push and pull, um, internal struggle with with fishing, bedding fish, right? Like you take those fish away from the bed, and just read an article today that said you know they, uh, a female bass lays like six thousand eggs or something, whatever it is. What it came down to was only like five to ten of those eggs that she lays survive. Yeah, and so you know you 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 take that out and we don't do that with kayak fishing right we're, we're yeah. catching those fish those fish are spending a minimal amount of time out of the water and then they're going back into their home water like they know where they are and so that environmental side of it and keeping those fish the, the fishery healthy um to me from a, a kayak side is, is really is awesome
1: no and and I get what you're saying. And honestly, if there came a time where they say, you know what, no more um, um, fishing for bass during bedding season, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, it's going to suck, but I, would, I mean, I understand it. I've done bed fishing more this year than I've ever done it before. And it is exciting. It is a very exciting way to catch fish because it is... It is... It, I mean, there are days where it can be like playing a video game. You just catch the lure and they'll hit it. Mm-hmm. But there are days that you really have to work on your strategy and mm-hmm. being stealthy and all that. And it's a great way to break your personal PB. Oh, your mm-hmm. personal uh, best. Uh, kind of redundant there, what I said. But anyways. <laughs> um, you go? what? Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, when it comes... And I'm not trying to pick on boats, but I'll... I'll tell you what happened to me. Um, I went, I was fishing at Lake Fork, and I'm not making excuses. I was fishing at the Bass Nation of Kayak Series. I didn't win because I'm not that good as the other people out there. Let me put that, let me clear that. I don't want people thinking I'm making excuses. Don't don't, don't don't say
3: that stuff. You're only as good as you think you are.
1: But, well, for the the context of this conversation, and people don't think I'm putting excuses. Let's just say this, I didn't lose because of this, but this is one of the reasons that um, I'm not particularly with with bass tournaments um, and boat tournaments, I should say, mm. um, especially on betting season. Now in Lake Fork, they have slots, which is kind of stupid to me because you're in the biggest bass factory in the United States and you're fishing for slots. And you can't catch anything other than 18 inches. Go fish at another lake. If that's the case, why fish? Why fish at a lake that's stocked with 20, 24 inch fish that you can't target? I mean, I don't get it. But anyways, that's but, another so that's another Harris, subject.
3: Yeah. So Sharon Harris is a slot lake. Yeah. They don't like people. Do not like to have tournaments there because they cannot put yeah. fish in the slot.
1: But in both- in like in like spawning season, I went pre-fishing for that tournament. There were there were tournaments being held on a Monday. And it's not a holiday. It's just a regular Monday school day. And I'm like, why the hell do they have bass tournament, bull tournaments I mean, on a but, Monday?
3: But fork like, and those lakes where you are and what was the uh what was the other one where they were catching the huge fish? Um, oh,
1: Possum Kingdom. But that was not in oh, spawning.
3: Awesome. What was the other one before where the
1: OHIV. OH
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. like like you have tournaments in the middle of the day there because they know that the boat traffic is going to be less and, you know, they can do it. But yeah, dude, I get, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's,
1: yeah. Well, well, going back to the point is like, I was, I had some beds marked that I was going to target the next day when I got there, there was a boat tournament, of course, and they've landed that, uh, uh, the female, which I was targeting cause we don't have slot limits. We just measured him, put him back on the water. She goes right. back to the nest.
2: Well, that. they
1: caught, they caught the female, but they can't use it in the tournament. So they put the female on the live. Well, while they're targeting the male, which not going to do anything for me, the male is only like 13 inches. Now here I am. Well, I'm screwed now forget about those bits. I had to wait till they leave. By the time they were, they were done trying to catch the male, which they never could. They release the female. The female doesn't even want to go back to its nest. It's just a, she. She probably just abandoned that nest. Um, And that's on a slot limit. When the ones is not slot limit, guess what? When they take those fish, they take it to the docks, and that's it. That good luck that female trying to find his, that nest again. So that I, again, and I'm not trying to pick up bass boat tournaments, but that's I think that's the real problem. And people say well the numbers still you're taking it's, if it there's when you have a lake like lake fork when it's on spawning season it's seven days a week there's a tournament it's gonna affect it it's yeah. just gonna affect the population
3: yeah that's
1: my point of good. view i i personally like the concept of a kayak and me and craig die were talking about this on last week's episode when you're on a boat a basketball tournament, or when you're in a bass boat, and I have a buddy who has a bass boat, when we go out fishing, I never feel like I'm part of nature. Now, because I'm in a you know glitter boat, high power uh, motor boat that's just speeding through one spot to another. When I'm in a kayak, I'm paddling, pedaling, whatever I'm doing, I'm one with nature. I feel it that, that way. That's just the perception that I got because you know I'm not disturbing the ecological system in that way. So, I and I think that lends itself to having that mentality of being more eco friendly and being more conscious about nature because you're closer to nature, not in this gas guzzling, uh, glitter rocket speeding one way or the other, uh, feeding your testosterone. And again, not picking up bass boats, but that's just the way it is when you're in a kayak, you know, there's no nothing. Testosterone driven about it until you hook a big bass. Otherwise, it's just you enjoying the nature. So you lend <laughs> yourself to be more um, eco friendly or more have that more of conservation mentality, in my opinion. And, and,
3: and, you know, to go with that though, is I think in general, when we talk about the bass fishing community as a whole, uh, kayak fishing, bank anglers, um, you know, the glitter boats, all that. Bass anglers as a whole. Are more conservation centric than than other people. Yeah, like uh, I mean, you know, just the folks that I know that crappy fish or, or 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 you know, fish fish for for catfish, like that. Those the bass anglers are typically more conservation minded, and but that's good, right? That yeah. that means that from from the seventies and eighties. What we've been told is working. Um, yep. it, could we all make improvements? Could the boat yep. world make improvements on their stuff? MLF is a great example of somebody who's made great improvements with fishing and not having to worry about fish traveling an hour to weigh in and live well and being dead. And, and, and if they're not dead, where, where the hell are they released? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not releasing the same body of water and all this and that. So MLF has done a good job with that. The environmental aspect of what we do is important to keep the sport out there for us to continue to do this. No, yep. I mean that's the whole thing. And people eating fish and people uh, weighing fish in for tournaments in the grand you know, like I I spent time on a on a fish hatchery so i got to spend my senior year the last half of my senior year my first two periods i went to a fish hatchery and worked so nice. i got to see the evolution you know uh quote unquote evolution we'll say that because i can't have a better word right now but i got to see the growth of fish from uh you know a female and a male bass to a to a nest to uh a fry to fingerlings uh, to where they were separated out and we we stopped ponds. and so you know there's those wild animals are way better at surviving than we give them credit for yep. um you know we we look at now these fishing tournaments and we see the the impact that it could have and it does have an impact. Because you're right, take Lake Fork, right? So let's say they have five years of people catching eight pound fish off the beds and taking them in to weighing them. We don't see like we don't see the impact that has on that on that area for another four or five years. Yeah. And so that's what we see. And that's why we see lakes turn over sometimes. Yep. Santee Cooper turned over in the early 2000s. Um, you know, we, we've seen some lake turnovers from that aspect, you know, of, it, it's been overfished or yep. they've had an invasive species. Um, but again, go, kind of going back to though, what we we're talking about from the kayak side, like that's what is that's what's really great about the kayak side of it is that the ecological impact that fish is being caught and it's, put, it's being put right back in the same water it was caught from like it's not taken it's not being taken to another home so yeah. that that is the that is a part from you, you get to compete <clears throat> but then what is what is the impact I have on this fishery five years from now well, shit! Now yeah. that fish is going back to the same. It's going back to its bed. Yeah. And hopefully, it's going to stay there. Hopefully, I snagged it. It doesn't come. The glitter boat that comes by that tries to fish for it. it doesn't yeah. bite. But you know, I think there is an aspect to the kayak fishing community of 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 being a steward to the fish that I don't think you see um, it, from a local level. We got MLF, but from the local level where the majority of comp the, the competitions are done, you don't see it in any other competition besides kayak fishing. You have you have that catch photo, the CPR, where still all of your local tournaments, they're bringing those fish in the way. Yeah. So you go to the you go to the ramp and try to catch some retreads. Because well, watch- and,
1: and tell Mark Pernograff that. Look what he did on PK, you know, right out of the boat ramp. You know, credit to him for yeah. finding the bite and making the adjustments, but yeah, that's, right. that's one thing. Um, I mean, and I do give credit to Texas. Texas really does a great job with the share longer program to oh, replenish yeah. those um high-pressure lakes like Lake Fork to make sure it stays mm-hmm. uh, sustainable. It's still, I think it's, I don't know if, you know, it's something like Lake Fork when it gets the amount of Boat traffic and um, anglers coming up—if you know how much they're gonna have to replenish it moving forward. But that's how you see um, lakes that have not come that are not famous in Texas, like PK. You know, because now words now. out OHIV PK. That's you're gonna see more tournaments going down to PK and and OHIV. You know, that's it's gonna happen now that the the secret is out, and we'll see how it sustains. Good thing about Texas is big, backs, fast three. Uh, anyway, you throw a stone, Andy Rakes, lit are about to hit three or four of them. So but can't we, complain.
3: Oh yeah, we we got a guy on hook set on hooks with our uh, with our our team chat. Lone, Lone Star, Star kayak, kayak fishing. Lone Star kayak fishing. Yes, sir. And so Lone Star talks. You know, so me and him talk back and forth because we're the only Southerners on there. Yeah. And so, um, we you know. We entered the jigs and bigs contest, which is really geared towards multi-species, because yep. the guys fishing that <clears throat> are catching musky and walleye yep. and jackfish and all these cool weather fish, these long ass skinny fish. And so me and him were talking, bannering back and forth. And but but that's the thing is like, you know, we're catching well he he more than I. Is catching world class. He is. That doesn't count. And then, like, me and him talk about about competing. I'm like, well, shit, man. Like, I catch good fish over here in North Carolina, but dude, I ain't catching no 24 inches left and right. Like, my small fish ain't 20. My small fish is 17.
1: <laughs> oh, shout out to Lone Star Kayak Fishing. Go follow him on Instagram. He, guys, by the way, um, Lone Star Kayak Fishing, I forgot his first name. Um, if you're out there listening, thank you for what you're doing. I know he's worked hard yeah, doing this. Right. Yeah, it's alignment. So, uh, you know, he finally got some time to fish on the water. I saw on Instagram that I was happy for him. I told him, I was like, yo, thank you for your service, man. I hope when things settle down with all the hurricane season, you, you get on the water and you land yourself a PB cause you've earned it. My friend, Yeah, I, I, did I, a lot of I, job.
3: I can't remember his first name either. And Armando, it don't matter. It don't matter because Lone Star kayak fishing is where people gonna find him. Yeah, but I I hope he catches some big fish, but I hope they're all smaller than mine. Yeah, <laughs> that see that's a competitive edge to me. When we go out fish these local tournaments, there's there's some guys here that like there's some guys here that can damn fish. I mean, they can get at it, but there are also those guys that aren't doing a lot of the the national tournaments. Like they're mm-hmm. the local quote unquote hammers. That just for whatever reason don't fish. and and I tell them all the yeah. time. I'm like, look, dude. I hope you ca- I hope you catch a fish every cast. But I really hope you. Know, I hope they smaller than mine. I don't want <laughs> you to do bad. I want you to have a good time. But I hope you lose to me. And I tell them that shit. And they look and I was like, I'm like one of the guys. He's he's a good friend of mine, Matt Dunn. And Matt Dunn is a he is he's one of the 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 hammers here. I'm like, though, I'm coming for you. I ain't come for him once yet on my day. <laughs> one day I will. One day I will. Cause you know what? Kate has called out Drew Gregory. Yeah. Right here. And then they're, the last tournament they fish, not, not the, not the one at Pickwick, but the last one, I think maybe it was one. Before, she got him. So, I mean, that's the mindset that, you know, come. So, Kind of to transition into kind of from a tournament aspect, like that's the mindset that you gotta have. In my opinion, is I don't fish if I don't think I can win. Yeah. Now, at two thirty, I might be sitting there going, "Shit, I got one fish. I ain't gonna win." But (laughs) but going up to that, like my mindset is, I'm gonna win. Yeah. And my
1: mindset go ahead
3: well i was gonna say you you've grown bad and josh from Doc waters has grown that too like y'all y'all are good good folks to to follow from a new kayak angler standpoint as folks that got into kayak fish got into competitive fishing because a lot of kayak anglers have got have been competitive anglers from a boat right russ snyder Dude, all, yes, not all those guys. There's a lot. But you and Josh, uh, Christina's another one. Like, there's folks that have tied into kayak angling as, as noobs, as we'll call them. But their mindset went from I'm learning to I, yep. I can win. And so, and you and Josh this year especially are two folks that new anglers can really look up to. And can follow because y'all have y'all have uh, tracked this from your podcast. You've tracked your journey to where you are now, to where y'all went from not catching limits and finishing in the bottom third to catching limits, finishing in the bottom or in the mid. To now, you're you're up and you're winning tournaments, or you're in the position to win tournaments. Like when you think about the podcast, you think about your listeners and you think about kayak angling, people are Mm -hmm. coming into kayak angling, right? They're looking for information, what you're putting out, your journey. How did I go from somebody that hardly just fish from the bank, blah, 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 got a kayak from Walmart to now being able to compete? And to be in the top 10 in my local tournaments. That's what people want to hear because you know what? That's where people want to go. And then when they're in the top 10 in the local tournaments, those folks are more likely to then start fishing the national stuff. And yeah. like you have you have shown that. You've shown that growth. You've shown a path for a lot of other people to say, Hey, this is what I did. This is the these are the mistakes I made. And this is where I am now, and you can see that growth through your podcast. And so that's that. Like that's it. You can post a video on YouTube right now of you catching a ten-pound fish, and it'll get five hundred thousand views. You can post a video of you rigging a wacky rig mm-hmm. and catching a four-pound fish, and get the same amount of views. You know why? Because people want to know how the hell you did it. Like, how did you get there? And so like your podcast really shows your journey into how you've been to start competing and let's be a, in all honesty, Tennessee and Texas are the two most competitive states locally for kayak bass fishing. Mm-hmm. You can't argue that here. You are finishing in the top five of tournaments. Like, I mean, that's, that's a journey people can travel with you to learn. And so that's and, a big impact.
1: No, and you hit it on the nose. When I started the kayak fishing podcast, I was like, well, I don't know anything about kayak fishing. Um, when I started kayak fishing, I was like, well, I don't know nothing about <laughs> kayak fishing. And people were like, well, that's the point. They can relate. And it's one thing when you talk about, when I started to learn about kayak fishing, I would listen to, let's say, tactical bassing. Mm-hmm. Great podcast, wait, not podcast, great YouTube channel. Yeah. problem with it is I couldn't relate at all to what they're saying because to me, those was like, are they even speaking English? Because I didn't understand it. Because their um, mindset audience, is of somebody that's already mastered bass fishing and just wants to take it to the next level. It's more like advanced learning. When I started the kayak fishing podcast, bass kayak and beers, it was the concept of like, perfect i i have this audience that is now booming because especially with the pandemic now that is getting into kayak fishing that can't relate to the russ Snyders and the drew gregory's and and not, not no shot at them of course They're, but the problem is they don't when you get to a level of you know like russ Snyder, russ Snyder probably and not not picking on him but you know he's been so good for so long one how do you teach how do you learn the basics of bass fishing when you've done it for so early for so long being so successful mm-hmm. it seems like mundane to learn the basics of it so it's easy it's harder for people like that level and i say that with a compliment to share their knowledge and help other people because they're at a certain level where you know where i'm at in the infancy or when i started i couldn't relate to much of the things you're saying because they were talking about their mindset was like you already know the basics So this is where I know where my mindset is like, I don't even know the basics yet. And one of the things about it is like when that that now that goes into the podcast when it talks into a tournament. I remember talking to Sam Jones about it, um, you know, kind of helping me grow the podcast and everything's like, well, I don't ever think I'll do competing because I'm not good enough. How can I compete against Russ Snyder who grew up fishing and who used who fished all over the world, all, all over the United States, who was a tour guide for bass fishing. You know, he's done it for three or four decades. How am I supposed to just pick up this sport five years ago, compete against that knowledge? Because it really is about knowledge. You know, you can be the faster, stronger. That's not a translator crap into wisdom. fishing. What wisdom. Exactly. Wisdom. Now, and that got to a point is,
3: it, is wisdom is the implementation exactly
1: thank you for saying that because i was just about to mention that it's it's like knowledge is one thing wisdom is knowing how to apply that knowledge and when you're on the water when my first tournaments i my first year doing tournaments i understand i'm not gonna win i'm just here to learn and i would talk to people after the tournament was done and ask them you know what worked for them what didn't work for them now this year i go into the mentality like in my heart of hearts maybe i know i'm not as good as the great anglers. But my mentality is I'm going to beat them. But I'm going to go out there and beat them. Beat I was.
3: Mark Pendergraft and his yeah. And That's
1: my mentality it. was. Well, as soon as I'm I saw. Win. Yeah, my mentality as soon as like I saw. When I entered that tournament. Mark Pendergraft and Brian Howell I hadn't signed up. And it's a small like, bluegrass tournament that they've never signed up. It's usually some local guys from west texas which are really good yeah um don't get me wrong but there's not the big names when i see him at the captain's meeting i'm like at first i'm like crap mark pentagraph and brian howell are here you know there goes my chances to win but that quickly turned the mindset was like game on and my mindset was and i said it on that podcast i want mark pentagraph to have a great tournament i want brian howell i'm not going to expectation well maybe they'll suck today no I wanted to fish first. I wanted Mark Pernograph and Brian Howell to win, to end up second and third. I want to say I beat them at their best, because that's what it's all about. I'm not there at this point of my career kayak fishing. I say career as loosely. It's not really a career, but at this point of learning into kayak fishing, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I want I want to beat the best. I want to compete against the best, and I don't want I don't want to beat Russ Russ Snyder when he only caught one fish one day. I want to beat Russ Snyder when he caught five fish, when we caught ten fish, you know, and that's that's the mindset that I have now. Now, whether that's going to translate to win further down the line, I don't know, but I know I'm going to need that mindset to give myself a shot to win.
3: Yeah, and and so that's like when we think about, and and let's take it like your podcast started as an entry-level, podcast your journey into kayak fishing and then into competitive kayak fishing right that was that was the journey of the podcast and so you think about it is you go from oh shit god i hope i catch a fish today yeah to i hope all right i'm catching a fish i hope i catch a limit yeah, and then by year two, three, whatever it is, you're like shit. I sh- I, I expect to be in the top ten. Yeah,
1: and I expect they, to be in the money.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you expect to win that money, and so that's a progression. But see, that's what so many people it you mm-hmm. you've talked about this, and Paddle and Ben have had these these podcasts on the growth of of kayak fishing, and a lot of people have had this 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 talk of growth. and and where we are right now, in my opinion, is the golden age of kayak fishing. Where it goes from here, if it continues to quote unquote grow, you're going to have the separation between the top professional anglers and the anglers making a living on this. You're gonna have a separation between them and the majority of other people that are fishing these tournaments, like you're, when when somebody's livelihood is is based on fishing these kayak tournaments, you're there's there's a different. It's it's going to be a different interaction, and that is look. I played college football, and I saw college football players go from the. I didn't play in the NFL. But I know folks that went from college to NFL. When you go to the NFL, it doesn't matter if you're a a number one draft pick or if you're a seventh round. You're competing against somebody who has been on that team for three, four, seven years, and they're buddies. That's their buddy. Like They don't want him to lose their job. So when you get into this kayak, this aspect of kayak fishing growing, it's great that the sport grows big because then it offers more opportunities for people to become professionals where they make a living on this aspect. Now, it does not diminish people like you and me who just want to fish local tournaments and these local national tournaments and make money and have an opportunity to fish in the TOCs but it changes that dynamic and what you kind of to get to the point is, Mm. is that like the kayak community is, is very close knit still. And I like that. Yeah. And what I I struggle with is, is it growing? Does that tight knit community start to kind of unravel or does that tight knit community continue and create something very different than other professional sports like does it create that that kind of um you know you know working together aspect i don't know it's it's interesting
1: it a lot of it's going to be the money um Yes. once once the sports grows and i'm convinced that it's going to grow to a sport where it's a lot of money is coming in and people are going to make a livelihood out of it
3: a hundred and then, you can win a hundred thousand dollars a damn tournament armando yeah you tell me you're going to spe- you you come down to jordan lake north carolina and you you can win 100k and you're catching you're catching 22 inch fish all day long are you going to come to me and say hey paul Come with me, we can catch 22 inch fish.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. If this you,
3: no, eventually, you do that Armando, would you do that for me?
1: <laughs> I'll say yes because I'm a nice no, guy. <laughs>
3: bro, you wouldn't, not for 100K. No, nah,
1: that's true.
3: you like, hey, Paul, come fish with me. Look, I'm going to catch all the fish I can catch. And when they quit biting, they're yours. But no, you're not. yeah And, and you'll be stupid too. You would be stupid to. You're talking about changing an opportunity for your family, a hundred thousand dollars to catch five
1: fish. We saw, and I'm not going to dive into the details of it uh, because it's not it's not worth it. But we saw a little bit of bad blood um, in the national champ in the um, Bass Nation Kayak Series Championship in uh, PK um, Possum Kingdom. Uh, And again, I'm not going to go into the details of who and what, but we saw, you know, follow the KBN group page, you know what you you know most of us know the story, and that's part of it, you know. Once real money becomes involved, and I actually wasn't that much of a money, but anyways, that's a subject for another time. When when the ability to not just make money, but get real sponsorships are going to pay you, and they're going to be based on your success and what you also do on social media bad blood is going to come in at some point. Um, Because right now, the people that are involved in the sport are just people that love the sport. Like you and I, myself, you know, we love the sport. We don't do it for the money because there's not really that much money to win. I mean, you you lose more money than what you make unless you win a national championship. That's right. Basically, and that's three guys in a season the kbf <laughs> the hobie bos and the bass master uh bass nation kayak series yeah. that's the only three probably and, and maybe somebody like you and minor who's um won a couple of tournaments make something like eighteen thousand this year but again that's that's less than one percent of the kayak fishing community but I will so the people that the well let me hold on. Well, the people yeah, that are getting involved in it is because they love the sport once the sport grows there's more money there's people get more involved it's like oh i can actually make a living out of this that changes things and eventually competitive juices are going to spoil into bad bloods and stuff like that and it's going to happen now, we try to keep it we try to protect it that's what i try to do with the podcast you know try to protect it as much as i can but eventually money's the root for all evil as cliche as it sounds
3: yeah and, and you know moving into that side of making money in kayak fishing, right? Like, so I got into kayak fishing to compete. And why do you get into something to compete is because you know, you you want to win. And, mm-hmm. you know, an offset of winning is you're going to win something. And, and fishing is going to be money. And so but you look at it, and and Ryan Lambert is the is kind of a he's a he's I say he's a driving force. It is on He's very, one of the most influential ones right now. He's a driving force in anglers branding themselves as professional anglers because we can name some names of folks that are at the top of the kayak angling game, but you would never know but like 99 percent of the people would never know who they are, but then you can go search kayak angling. Or you could say a kayak bass fish angler, whatever it is, and there's two or three names people could spit out, but they're probably the folks. You know, they're folks that not not aren't necessarily winning tournaments or in the not household names. Yeah, they're not making social media content. They're not branding themselves, and so you look at it, and and I say this from an aspect of watching your growth through social media. You you have started to brand yourself you've started taking you're not going on a fishing trip and posting five pictures on Instagram of the five fish you caught all at once.
2: Mm. You're now
3: breaking it down to five catches, five pictures, you know, you're break you're you're promoting yourself and and I know you're working with us, uh, crap. What's his name? Um Charlie Wells. Yeah, Charlie Wells.
1: Wells. He's
3: been on bo- podcast a couple of times I think now. Yeah. So, like you, you're branding yourself. You're making yourself desirable from from people. Like, look, fishing. It's not the NFL. You don't have ten million people or whatever it is watching you every Saturday. But if you get a hundred thousand people watching a video that you made, and and you know, you know, Jim Bob from the mlf wins three tournaments but he has no social media presence like where where's the better value in that i think that's where the the kayak angling sport comes to is is that it's entry level It, it gives the people an opportunity to come into fishing and make money and to fish where they wouldn't be able to before
1: That's true. And we see we see Christine Fisher doing this um, uh, now growing. I think she's one of the ones that's kind of leading that that new generation of kayak anglers where they're mixing talent with content creators. We see great content. It's hard to be a great content creator and a great angler at the same time because both of them take a lot of time, you know, to to work with. You know, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes. And if you listen to any of our podcasts with Charlie Wells, which I've done to, he'll tell you, you know, uh, the work that it goes behind the scenes to create great content and the word. And when you look at the work that you have to go to be consistent at tournaments with pre-fishing and all that, there's not a lot of room to do anything else unless your ideal, you know, situation. Um, allows it but if you're a family man with a you know a regular job it's gonna be hard um to accomplish that but anyways speaking of branding ourselves uh, paul I've had you for almost an hour so I don't want to uh take any more time uh, uh take you any more time away from your family but but, but i can talk for three hours <laughs> I,
2: you you about fishing,
3: they, I don't I don't have a stop button luckily my co-host on Bass and Brews has a stop button because i don't <laughs> i could go forever
1: but anyways go um before uh before i let you go i wanted you get a chance to plug in a uh, bass and bruce where can people follow you what's the show all about um and also anybody you want to thank any sponsors i know you made, already mentioned hood, look, um, hook sets or the guys at Hookset at hoodlums if i said yeah. that right go ahead you yeah. you you'd, you'd mention it better than <laughs> me go ahead uh,
3: yeah follow hooks at hoodlums um, Instagram Facebook wherever they they sell sell apparel we got these hats these underwater robbery hats and pond wrecker hats and uh, other stuff they're 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 great folks we promote each other and you know when I got an opportunity to go into being a, a you know, pro staff member and I know, or my I know your thoughts on pro staff but when you go into a pro staff like uh there sure i get a discount but i don't even care about that because the the advantage or what we do for each other we promote each other and we help each other grow as anglers um so go to hookset you can use uh heels10 h e e l s to get you a little 10% discount they got some really good apparel um the other is a local if you're not in the north carolina raleigh north carolina area probably won't matter to you but um if you go to bolt lightning they are they're the one and only sponsor of, of paul hills fishing and kevin fontaine there with bolt lightning and fontaine landscaping great dude uh kind of you know, believed in what i was doing and and was happy to, to sponsor me outside nice. of that check out bass and brews fishing podcast we're on um Apple, um, shit. What's the other one? Um, I don't listen
1: to uh, Spotify, Spotify, Google Play,
3: Apple, and Spotify. It's me and Alex. Alex is gonna be in and out because uh, he he is the host. Alex is the is the brains behind everything. I show up and and try to be funny. You're the eye candy. Yes, yes. I'm I'm the <laughs> handsome one. Thank you, Armand. Finally, somebody <laughs> said that shit online. Yeah, it, had, I, to I, it, had, it to had to
1: be said. It had to be said.
3: But Alex runs it. But he's going to be gone because Alex is finishing his last year in the Coast Guard. Thank you, Alex, for your service.
1: Yes, definitely.
3: But the but the podcast is, is centric into um, a kayak fishing, um, content creation, bass fishing. Like we we really try to hit different different avenues of the fishing world from a bank and kayak fishing aspect so like the content creation and the folks that are that are just getting into it and you know competition so all that um and also Armando will be a guest host at some point
1: definitely yes looking forward to that he
3: will be because my my co-host which is the real host Alex will be gone for a while while he's doing. Uh, his, his final trip so Armando will be a co-host but come check us out at that and besides that you know check me out at Paul Hills uh, Paul Hills Fishing on Tic Tac as I like to call it I don't have a lot there but you know, just hey come, come say hey uh, I like to give out any information I can if you're in North Carolina area holla at me and let's go fish
1: awesome and the cat tea expert let's not forget about that <laughs> Well, look,
3: I would say I'm the cat tee expert, but about a year and a half ago, Walmart did away with their cat tees, and so now it's all it's all Amazon and it kind of sucks <laughs> Because I can't go, I can't go try them on because cat tees are cheap, so they don't fit right. So I got two cat tees now that don't fit right because I couldn't try them on before I bought them.
1: I'll be going to Austin pretty soon to visit visit my sister, so I'll try to get you. <laughs> I'll try to get you a couple and ship them out i hear you buddy all right paul thank you so much man i'm looking forward to being a special guest host um a big fan of what you're doing i appreciate the kind words i appreciate the support to my podcast it means a lot to me man i i do it for you know for my audience more than anything else like you said we don't really make a money or any money at all very little if any um on this so I really yeah. appreciate it, Paul. It's it, it's an honor to have you, man, and I uh, hope you come back soon.
3: Oh yeah, and Armando, That's the thing is, like you you were one of the first three or four podcasts that I found when I journeyed into this this kayak kayak fishing aspect. Is uh, you Josh from Dark Waters and uh, I can't remember the other one. Is a, is a paddle and fin. It wasn't a paddle and fin for news. Brian,
1: sure. By the OG yeah. show?
3: Uh, no. Bass it was, it was fishing? Two guys from, it was the two guys from God, I'm having a bat. For it. From, from the ones that, that mostly saltwater fish. Um, the Tide. What is it? Oh, Chasing the Tide. Yeah, Hitching Hitching the tide. Doo-doo.
2: Some, Dustin. Somehow, doo-doo. Dustin Nichols.
3: Somehow I got to them dumbasses. Chasing the Tide, dumbasses and I listen to that one even though I don't fish no damn saltwater fish. But <laughs> it's, a one, it, it's a good it,
1: podcast, it's a no, good podcast.
3: It is, I listen to it every week and the shit they're fishing for, I probably won't fish for for once a year. But regardless of what I'm saying is, is like your podcast is one of those that, that it bridges that gap from somebody that ha- did not have, that just got into kayak fishing. Look, Look, fishing, I had a lot of knowledge, kayak fishing, you bridge that gap that made Mm -hmm. me feel like I could learn from listening to what you're saying. And you also had guests on. So you and Josh really, those were the first two podcasts that I expected every week to listen to because it, it helped me get to where I am now. Like I wasn't a beginner fisherman by any means, but you gave me that that avenue to kind of get to where I'm in the kayak world because it's much different. And everybody will tell you that. So I thank you.
1: I appreciate it, man. Paul, thank you so much for those out there listening. Uh, once again, this is Bass Kayak and Beers. We appreciate it making it this far. Go check out my sponsor, Douglas Rock. Go to DouglasOutdoors.com. Check out their full lineup. Big shout out to Paul and and Alex for Bass and Beers. Uh, Alex will be here soon. As soon as I can get him, we'll square something out so we can get part two of the Bass and Beers podcast. Um, If you're going to be underwater, wear your PFD. Stay safe. Have a great day, everyone. Paul, thank you so much.
0: A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.